Well, my people, as you can see on your screens right now, we are getting back to Luke. Some of you are saying, Luke? Luke? What about coronavirus? Like, shouldn't we have a mini-series on how to live during a pandemic? Well, we just wrapped up a mini-series on dangerous prayers. And Lord have mercy, people, we will finish Luke this year. We must finish Luke at some point. And so we're going to keep moving. And some of that's really appropriate. Because whatever we can keep normal, we want to keep normal. And we as a church have been moving through Luke. And we view understanding of the scriptures and spiritual growth, we view it more as a slow cooker rather than a microwave. And so for us to just continue to stew in the Word of God, verse by verse, going through Luke, is healthy and good for us, even during this season. So let me bring you back up to speed. Before we took a little break for dangerous prayers, we were in Luke 20. Remember, Jesus has entered Jerusalem. He's teaching in the temple courts. And as he does, he is railing on bad, organized religion. As part of that, as you get towards the end of chapter 20, Jesus was slamming the scribes. Remember, they had these long robes and these long prayers, and they were doing look-at-me kind of religion. Look at me. Look how good I am. And Jesus pointed out how they were devouring widows' households. And then right after that, you flip the page to chapter 21. And here's how chapter 21 begins. Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. And he saw a poor widow putting in two small copper coins. And he said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Let me explain some things that are going on here. If you look on your screen there, you can see some of these giving boxes. There would have been 13 of those around the temple courts. And people would put money in those to give. You see, it had kind of a fluted or a funnel-like opening, almost like a trumpet. Trumpet is an appropriate word to use there because uh, we understand that there were times when they would actually blow trumpets when they were putting money into these. Look at me kind of religion. And particularly rich people. I mean, you can imagine them coming up to this funnel-like opening and going, I'm putting so much money in here, it's getting stuck. Does anyone have a stick? Look at how all my big money is getting stuck down there, right? Look at me, look at me. And then Jesus sees this poor widow putting in two small coins. You can see what those would have looked like. Some speculate that they would have been only a centimeter in diameter. They were called lepta, and they were only worth a quarter of a cent. They were worth next to nothing. And Jesus counted that widow's gift as bigger, as better than all the rich folks. And if you take home, well, not take home, you are at home. But if you hold on to just one phrase today, it's this. God doesn't count coins. He weighs hearts. God doesn't count coins, he weighs hearts. And the rich were putting in tons of coins, but the widow had a really big heart. 
And that's what Jesus was all about. Now, some of you, upon hearing that, are like, sweet. That means I don't have to give because my heart's just awesome. And God's going to see my awesome heart and think I'm good, so I don't have to give any coin. But you realize it didn't work out like that for the widow, right? She still gave. Now, granted, this passage is one that is given over towards teaching on tithing or giving to your church, that kind of stuff. We don't do a lot of teaching on tithing. That's kind of a caricature of churches in general that they're always teaching on, give, give us money. My experience is it is very difficult to manipulate money out of cold hearts. That's a fool's errand. And so we don't go for that. Instead, what we do, instead of teaching towards the coin, we teach towards the heart. And so we teach lordship and generosity and compassion and sacrifice. And the giving tends to take care of itself. We teach towards the heart. Frankly, my dream as a pastor, and we start to see this happen. It's really cool. But my dream is, I want you guys to be so in love with your Lord. He's so big in your hearts. And you love his mission and you love eternity You love the gospel. I want you to love your church so much that you are coming to me and begging me, Pastor, can I please give more? That's how I want it to roll. That's the way. And what that if that happens, that flows from a big heart. Remember, the widow had a really big heart. And I want to look at that because remember, God is not counting coins. He's weighing hearts. So let's talk about the widow and her heart. The first thing I want you to catch about her is that she has tons to offer. Not not tons of coins. She is poor, and her coins are tiny. In fact, if you think about it, when she put her coins into that fluted offering box, do you think she moved the needle on the temple budget at all? No. The temple didn't need those two. So why did she put those in? It's because she wanted to. She needed to put those in there. One of the things that we've seen about Christianity, really throughout the centuries and around the globe, is that Christianity really belongs to the poor, the broken, the addicts, the messed up folks. Uh, They are the ones who tend to flock to the cross because they know they need help. You see, the rich tend to be self-sufficient and they're all into themselves, but the poor tend to be God-dependent and they run to the cross. As we've gone through Luke, we've noticed that Luke is all about the marginalized and the outcasts coming to Christ. After all, Luke is just representing Jesus in the story of Christ. And we see his actions, we see his heart. Jesus is all about the marginalized and the outcast, like a poor widow. You understand, don't you, that in their society, this woman had three things against her. She was a woman, she was poor, and she was a widow. That's the trifecta of nothingness in their society. They would have looked at her and said she has nothing to offer. She's worthless. And yet Jesus is crazy about her. Jesus is celebrating her worship. And what's more, do you catch this? He points to her and tells us to learn from her. That implies she has something to offer. Do you see that? She is valuable. Listen, folks, just because somebody is needy, don't think you can't learn from them. 
They have something to offer. And so here this poor widow, yes, she needs provision. Yes, she needs protection. But she was also Jesus' shining example in the moment. We can learn from her. I'll tell you what, I love the heart of my king that is revealed here. Jesus gives honor away. Jesus gives dignity away. And may we do the same. And so I want you to understand something. If you are somebody uh, that maybe because of your age or your status or your lack of wealth or your brokenness, maybe your gen, I don't know what it is about you, but you think you are worthless. You are welcome here at Redemption Chapel. Not physically, not right now, okay? <laughs> like after the coronavirus, right? But, but you are part of us. You are welcome here. We want you. But know this. It's not just that you are welcome. We need you. You have something to offer. You have tons to offer, just like that widow. We want you to be part of us. All right? So that's the first thing that we can learn about this widow. Now, the second thing that we can learn about her heart, is she has a heart of sacrifice. Sacrifice. Like the rich put in a lot of coins, but it cost them nothing. The widow only put in a few small coins, but it cost her everything. That's sacrifice. It reminded me of a story from the life of King David in the Old Testament. Right at the very end of 2 Samuel, David wants to worship God, so he's going to buy a plot of land, build an altar there, and sacrifice animals in worship to God. Now, he goes to buy this land from a guy named Aruna. And Aruna, I'm not sure if Aruna is trying to curry favor with God, maybe worshiping himself, or curry favor with the king. But either way, Aruna says, hey, you don't have to buy it from me. I'll give you the land for free, and here's even the animals for sacrifice. I love how David responds. Look at this. But the king said to Aruna, No, but I will buy it from you for a price. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. Do you get that? He could have worshipped for free. He says, No way. I must sacrifice. I must feel it. It must pinch because God is worth it. God is worth sacrifice. And so this widow, she is actually being a lot like God in that moment. You understand when God gave to us, he sacrificed, like huge, like big. It hurt him. He felt it as the son of God himself died on that cross. God sacrificed for us. And so here is Jesus. N note the context. He is within a week of going to the cross for the ultimate sacrifice and he looks around the temple courts and he sees the rich offering token gifts that cost them nothing. And it grinds his gears. And then he sees this widow who is sacrificing. Listen, worship should entail sacrifice. I want you to understand something. Everybody sacrifices for that which they care about. Some of you sacrifice a lot for a little white ball, right? You chase this little white ball all around a golf course trying not to cuss. And, and, and I'll tell you what, you spend ridiculous amounts of money and time on that. I'm not down on golf. 
Golf can be a fine pastime, a fine sport, okay? But my point is simply this. You do sacrifice for the things about which you care. Maybe it's golf. Maybe it's something else. You sacrifice for the things you care about. God is saying, I want to be that in your heart. I want to be so big in your heart that you care about me, you care about my glory, you care about my mission, you care about eternity, you care about the kingdom so much that you will sacrifice for it. That's where God wants to be. Because God doesn't count coins, he weighs hearts. Do you give out of abundance or does it really cost you? Does it hurt a little bit? Listen, more of you are abundance givers than you know. You think it's just for rich people, giving out of the abundance. Some of you give in this pattern. I will give this month if there's an abundance. Oh, look at that. There's not an abundance again, so I'll give nothing. But I'll give out of my abundance next month. Oh, look at that. No abundance. And you're stuck in a pattern of abundance giving, which means you never give anything. That's the same thing. It's not costing you anything. What I've learned over time is that people tend to give out of their hearts, not out of their wallets. So so if you have a generous heart, that will lead to generous giving. We learned this, Shannon and I, together back in 1993. Before I became a pastor, Shannon and I spent 15 years doing college ministry with a, a Christian organization. 1993, we started on their staff, and the first thing we had to do was raise our own financial support so that we could live while we did this college ministry. Now, as we started to raise our support, there was a couple that we knew, Tim and Jill, we said, we won't ask them. Let me tell you why. They were a couple years younger than us. They were still in undergraduate school. They got married while undergraduates. Living in this Dinky basement apartment. It was so small. Neither of them worked. They were very studious, great grades, good students. So they poured it all into that. I don't know how they lived. We're not going to go to them and ask them to give us money every month. Okay? So Tim calls me up. Hey, thought you were raising support. Why haven't you called us? Awkward silence on the phone. So we went over to their apartment take turns breathing because you all can't inhale at the same time. Not enough room for that. Like tiny little apartment. They made us a meal and they said, we're coming on your team at $50 a month. Now, I don't know where they got it. I know it was a sacrifice. I know it cost them. But I learned that people, we had doctors turning us down, okay? I learned that people don't give out of their wallets. They give out of their hearts. And I always remember that from Tim and Jill. All right? So, so what we see in the widow is she sacrificed for the ministry of God. And she was willing to do it. All right. Here's the next thing that we learn from her. This is a, a lesson in stewardship. Stewardship. Do you notice the widow didn't give 10%. She gave 100% of her money to God. And I think that's what we're supposed to do. Okay, let me give you a caution. I'm not advocating for a vow of poverty where you give away all your money and all your possessions. That's not my point. I'm saying symbolically, we give everything to God because it's his anyway. So he owns 100% of everything. And now we are stewards, not of our stuff. We're stewards of his stuff. 
That's where I think we need to be. So imagine this. Imagine I give you $10,000 of my money. I put it in an account, and you're the one with access to it. And I say one stipulation. You just have to give the money away. Just charitably give it away to your church, other organizations, people in need. Wouldn't you have a blast? Because it would cost you nothing, right? You'd be like, oh, you have a need? Here you go, Rick's money, right? You, and you're just, you're having a blast being charitable and generous because it's my money. You see, the problem is we think that the money in our bank account is ours. That's why it's really hard to give it away. But if you give 100% to God, you understand that's all his. All of a sudden, giving becomes more fun and easier because you're not giving your money away. You're giving his money away. But what if? What if I came back to you like a year later, two years later, and I found out that you had spent all $10,000 on yourself, on your pleasures? Oh, we would not be okay. Because you have not been a good steward of that which it belongs to me. You see, stewardship is in view here. Uh, a good example of stewardship for me came, uh, it was about 1993 again. Shannon and I were going on the staff of this organization. And I remember a guy named Scott. See, there was a lot of pressure from this organization for the students involved to go on their staff. I think it was unhealthy. We succumbed. We went on staff. We had 15 years of great ministry. Scott was one of our friends. He graduated a lot, around the same time. And he got the same pressure to go on staff. But he was pre-med, and he had a passion for going into the medical field to become a doctor. Now, he was getting slammed a lot because, well, you just, you're just greedy. You just want to be a rich doctor. Scott's like, no, this is my passion. He stuck to his guns. He went into the medical field, became an ER doctor. And I'll tell you what, Scott was able to share the gospel with one patient after another, probably shared the gospel with more patients than I did with college students. But check this out. Scott and his wife, Jen, found out how much we made as missionaries with this Christian organization. And they determined to live on that amount and give the rest. He probably lived on a tithe and gave 90%. You see, he viewed it as God's money and there was stewardship in play there. Here's what I want you to understand. Just because God gave it to you doesn't mean it is for you. And, and, and it's not an issue of what you have. It's an issue of what you do with what you have. And so what if God gives you a raise, not so that you can increase your consumption, but so that you can increase his kingdom? What if you increase your standard of living? No, no, no. What if you increase your standard of giving, not your standard of living? You see that? That is stewardship. And it's important because God doesn't count coins. He weighs hearts. He weighs hearts. All right. Let's look at another thing about this widow. We see in her heart a lot of faith. A lot of faith. Do you think God was going to be upset with the widow if she didn't give her two small coins? Like, like if she said, hey, this is all I have to live on, and she held those back, you think God's mad about it? Or what if she gave one and kept one? Listen, don't you understand? Like a quarter of a cent 
is not enough for anyone to live on. It doesn't matter if she kept them both, gave one or gave both. She's in the same boat. So she did the smartest thing possible. She pushed all her chips to the middle of the table. She literally went all in for God. And it's the best bet you can ever make. She went all in for God. You see, it seems like the rich people thought a lot of themselves. But the widow thought a lot about God. She trusted in God. Now, it's really clear for us to see that when it's a widow with two small coins. But I want you to think about something. From God's perspective, do you think it's any different between the widow and her two small coins and you and your salary? I don't know what your household makes. 30, 50, 70, 100,000 a year. I don't know how much you make. Whatever that is, from God's perspective, for you to trust in your salary instead of in God is as ridiculous as the widow trusting in her two small coins instead of God. It's the same from God's perspective. We're the only ones who see it differently. But maybe we shouldn't. Maybe we shouldn't. We have to hope in God. If we don't trust and go all in on God, that is a ridiculous idol. And and God will not be hurt by it. We will be hurt by that. Because the idol will never care for you. The idol will never love you. I want you to go all in for God and put your hope in him. That is faith. That's faith. Because God is not counting coins. He's weighing hearts. About giving faithfully. Here's the thing. I want you to give faithfully. Now, usually when we say give faithfully, we mean give regularly. And I think you should. But that's not my point. I want you to give full of faith. Faithfully. Give full of faith. That's what I want you to do. You understand, God is not up there wringing his hands going, oh my goodness, if they don't give, what are we going to do? Hey, angels, what's plan B? God's not worried. And if the widow didn't give, God would have been just fine. It's not God that is needy. It is us who are needy. I mean, after all, if that's God's position up there, that he's all bunged up and worried about our giving then you understand Jesus would have been wild about the rich people's big gifts. And he would have cared nothing about the widow and her gift. Because that didn't help him. Because God's all needy and he needs our money. That's not it. That's not it. God is not needy. We are needy. We need to give. Because during our giving, that expresses our priorities, our values, the things we care about, our dependence, our faith is expressed in that. It's an issue of vision. Do we care about his kingdom? Do we care about eternity in the gospel? Listen, whatever you hope in, that's what you'll invest in. And God's saying, I want that to be me. I want you to hope in me, your God, and that you invest there. And that's why the widow's gift was bigger than all the rich people put together because it came from faith. And God doesn't count coins. He weighs hearts. Now, I do want to point out one last thing about the widow's heart. It's that she was very childlike. Her faith was childlike faith. 
Let me make sure you're aware of something. There's two very different ways to teach on this very passage. So far, I've been teaching uh, in the most traditional way that pastors have approached this passage, and that is to affirm the widow's gift and her faith and her heart. But there is another way to approach this passage that I think is very legitimate, and it is this. Jesus doesn't like the widow's gift at all. Think for a moment, how would you feel about a televangelist who scams a widow out of her last two dollars? You would not be excited about that system. You would be very upset about that. The idea here is that Jesus is not pointing out something right, he's pointing out something wrong. After all, we're in this section where Jesus is slamming bad organized religion. This is where he's flipped over tables because of their focus on money and they're, not, they're failing to connect people with God. They're abusing their power to wring money out of poor people to make religious leaders rich. That's what's been going on here. And this is that section where Jesus is railing on the scribes, remember, because they were devouring widows' households. And then he looks over and he sees a widow putting in her last two coins. And here's what John MacArthur had to say about it. He said, If you saw a widow give her last two cents to some religious organization in the hope that she could purchase salvation or purchase blessing or buy healing or buy prosperity, you wouldn't commend her. You'd want to stop her. And you'd want to shut down that religious system that preys on the desperate. That's a really good point. Now, I think that is a completely legitimate approach to the passage. What I want to suggest to you is that it is both and, not either or. Okay? I think it's both. I think Jesus is condemning the religious system. At the same time, he is commending the widow and her gift. Think of it like this. Many of you have children. But all of you can imagine if you had a child, uh, let's say a young child hears about some uh, seemingly worthy charitable cause, your child's heart swells for that cause, right around that same time it's your kid's birthday. And maybe she gets like $5 from grandma. Let's assume she's only, all she has is $5, that's it. And she comes to you and she says, Mommy, Daddy, I want to give this $5 to that charity. Oh my goodness, you would be so proud, wouldn't you? Your heart would just explode. You'd see the big heart in your daughter. You'd be so proud. So that goes down. She gives her five bucks away. And then you see in the news that that charity is corrupt. They just scammed your little girl out of her five bucks. You would be livid. You would be so upset at that charity and the people running it. You would be righteously mad. But how would you feel towards your daughter? Would you... You feel no different toward her, right? She still had the same heart. You would still be so thrilled. You'd affirm the heart of your child that she has tons to offer, that she sacrificed, that she did stewardship, that she acted in faith. You would cheer her on. Why? Because God doesn't count coins. He weighs hearts. So it's both and. 
Let me wrap up our time today by giving you a plan for your giving. I want you to have a plan for your giving. I'm going to just bump through a few things here. Number one, I want you to give something. Never give nothing. Notice the widow, she gave something. Always give something, okay? Secondly, give now. Give now. Notice the widow did not wait until later. She could have said, I only have two coins, I'll give tomorrow. Listen, if your plan is to give tomorrow, know this, tomorrow will never come. You only have the opportunity to give today. We live in a string of todays. We never reach tomorrow. You have to learn to give now. Thirdly, I want you to give till it hurts. Your God is worth it. King David's God is worth it. The widow's God was worth it. Give till it hurts. Next, I want you to give out of worship. Okay, listen. We give in response to what God has already done for us. We don't give to earn anything. This is not bad, organized religion. God's not going to like be the God who likes you more because you give. Okay, Give out of responsive worship. Next, I want you to give wisely. Give wisely. Listen, if you're destitute, don't give right now. Call us, and we want to help you out. And then I want you to give to your church for sure and look into charities you give to. Make sure, check them out. Give wisely. Give wisely. And then lastly, give God his place. Give God his place. This is the most important one. This is where we check our idols at the door because our idols don't love us. God does. And so this is the most important part. If you give God first place in your heart, everything will work out from there. People don't give from their wallets, they give from their heart. And God is not counting coins, he's weighing hearts. All right? Hope that helps you today as we continue through the Gospel of Luke. Let me pray for you right now, and then we'll have a closing song of worship. Father, there is so much that we can learn from that wonderful widow who has so much to offer. Thank you for her sacrifice. Thank you for her faith. Thank you for her stewardship. And may, may we be much like her as we come to you with childlike faith. Lord, would you be large in our hearts? Would you champion your territory and kick our idols out that you would be the one true God in our hearts? And if that be so, I trust that you'll work out our giving from there. The details will sort out. Take us there, Lord, please. And I pray in Christ's name. Amen.